Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, take your Bibles and turn with me to... Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 9 and, uh, and 10. I'm going to do one part of 9 and one part of 10. We're doing a study through the Gospel of John. <clears throat> no better way to learn about the person of Jesus except and just grab a Gospel and start working your way through it. And that's what we're doing. So we're going to start, we're gonna start uh, with 9, um, um, yeah, chapter 9. Uh, verse 1 this morning. So, uh, as he went along, talking about Jesus, he saw a blind man from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So, they're, they're just walking. They're just, you know, just going from place to place, and they come across this man, maybe they have seen him before, and for whatever reason, he got their attention, probably because he was begging. Later in the story, it, it refers to the fact that he, you know, was begging, but for whatever reason, you know, it kind of it got his attention, and they start asking Jesus this very deep question about the blind man and his life. So they ask the question, hey, you know, who's at fault? This man or or his parents? Now let me let me just start here and say to you that it is, and especially to young adults, college-age students, I want to just say this to you. It is okay and it is beneficial to ask deep theological questions, okay? Like, it's not blasphemous, it's not wrong to, to really kind of probe some questions that you might have about, you know, about faith and the, uh, and the Bible, so it's okay, but it's also beneficial when you ask and you answer these, these questions. I want to say to parents, I think it's really important that that you make sure as your kids are kind of, you know, kind of going through your life that you that that you have these opportunities to help unpack some of these deep questions about about faith. You know, my my first semester in college. Well, let, let, let me say this: we we don't want to create as a church or parents like this this little glass house, you know, that's finely, you know, just kind of neatly put together. And then when your kids go to college, it's kind of blown apart on the first semester, okay? So asking questions, asking deep theological questions, working through that is really important. So my first semester in college, and it's part of the core curriculum, it's Sociology 101. If you went to college, you took Sociology, right? Everybody had it. So in the first two weeks that I am in that particular class, the professor was destroying the thought of objective truth. 
okay? Something that I had been taught to believe my whole time, but he was taking weeks to remind everyone that there was no such thing as objective truth, that all truth is relative and situational, whatever you find yourself in. And I realized then, without without just going, hey, this is uh, antagonistic to the Scripture, I realized, man, that there's some, some truth that was, you know, being put in my my head and my heart that was the opposite of what I believed. So I want to say to every parent, I want to say to every young adult, okay, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask deep questions. There are no questions that are, you know, that are off limits at all. We should be answering questions about spirituality, sexuality, and worldview because they're important, okay? We don't, we, don't, we don't want our kids to get older and they hear these questions and go, well, my church never answered them. We never explored them. They didn't give us the latitude to talk about these things. So I'm just saying to you this morning, these disciples asked Jesus a really, really deep theological question that we'll get to in just a moment. So it's important that we take time and we unpack these things, okay? Like... My family, until Kelsey left for camp in, uh, at the beginning of summer, we were working through the book Chasing Love, okay? Now, let me tell you, as a parent, three girls, that was always, you know, a little awkward every once in a while, you know, but one of the questions that we wrestled with one night was, is it unreasonable to expect someone to live without sex until marriage, Okay. Hey, that's a really important question, okay? And we just had the opportunity to kind of kind of talk about that. So I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying to you, man, these things are important and people have these questions. And if you're in church, even if you go to this church or if you're a believer, it's okay to start exploring questions that you may have about God and faith. It's okay because I believe when you find the answer, then your faith becomes a little more personal. It's not something that you, you know, were just told, but now it's something that you've kind of wrestled through and you've worked through, and now it becomes part of your, you know, it becomes part of your faith component. So there are big questions that people, you know, that people wrestle with. Is God real? I mean, we just, you know, is this just a figment of our imagination or is it, is it provable that he's real? Is the Bible real? Is the message of the Bible dependable for today? Is it just a book of men that was written a long time ago? You know, people, people wrestle with those, you know, with wrestle those kind of things. Who was Jesus? Did he really live? You know, wrestle with these things. Where did we come from? Origin. Was it the hand of God? Was it, you know, was it, you know, just random science, you know? Why, um, why am I here? Purpose. What, what's, am I, am I, is it just random? Why am I here? Morality. What's right and wrong? What's really right or wrong? What happens when I die? Destiny. We're just one dimensional, just like the animal. Do we die? Is there something, or is there something after that? If God is good, why is there so much suffering in the world? So I'm just saying to you, man, we need to wrestle through these questions. We need to talk about these questions, and it's, and it's okay. All right, now back to the passage. And it's okay because these people asked Jesus this, asked Jesus this question, okay? So the assumption 
of the question is, if he is blind, then someone must be responsible for it. If he is blind, someone must be responsible. So they're coming from the background that God is good, his nature is good, therefore somebody is guilty, that is why he is blind. So maybe God knew from the very beginning this guy was going to be you know, living on the edge morally and he went ahead and punished him before he was born. Or, or their, his parents were so blind, you were so evil in what they did that, that now this child has to pay the price for what the, for what the parent did. So that was the, you know, that was the, the question. The assumption was that someone is guilty. And I just want to tell you, I mean, we, you read, you still read that thought in the Bible today. When you, when you read Job, remember his buddies that came to comfort him? Listen, you don't need buddies like Job's buddies. You know, you need to just send them on. They were going, Job, you know, what did you do? What did you? You must have done something to have this kind of, you know, adversity, you know, in your life. And I want to tell you that thinking is still out there today. But I want to remind you, we don't believe in karma that what you, you know, what you do, God eventually punishes you before. For we believe in forgiveness. That when you've done something wrong and you ask the Lord, He wipes the slate clean. He doesn't punish you or He doesn't punish your generation. So they asked Jesus, who's responsible? The assumption was somebody did something wrong somewhere. And Jesus said, neither. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Okay, got it. Awesome answer. Okay, nobody's responsible here. But here's the situation that God is going to work through for his glory. Okay, so verse 6, look at this. After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva Put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. Wow. Wow. What an unusual response. Let me just tell you something. If Jesus tells you to spit on me, that's fine, but there better be a healing. That's all I'm saying. There better be a healing or there's going to be an altercation. I'm just telling you. All right. So get this, he spits, puts mud on his eyes, okay? And then he says, now I want you to go to the pool. The pool wasn't right there. So here's this man walking around with mud mixed with spit on his eyes. Either he's got his cane or somebody's, you know, somebody's walking him to there somewhere, He's got to be going, what is going on? What am I doing? What is, I got spit, I got mud on my eyes. I'm trying to find this, I'm trying to find this pool, okay? So here he is, he's walking, really unusual situation. I'm sure people are going, what, is he crazy? Has he lost his mind? What's he, what's he doing? But I want to remind you of something, okay? In a time of adversity, trust and obedience are essential, okay? 
In a time of adversity, trust and obedience are essential. And I will add, even when it makes no sense, okay? Even when it makes no sense, God does unusual things in unusual ways. He does not have a form in which he deals with everyone the same way. What he does with one, he is not necessarily bound to deal with another in the same way. He deals with people differently. Do not put God in a box. He said, His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. So when it comes to God dealing with you, trust and essential, trust and obedience are essential. He deals with different people different ways. At Jericho, there's a military operation. What does he say? March around the walls, crack a bunch of ceramic pots and yell at the right time, okay? Makes no sense. But he tells David later on, there's going to be a time that you're going to hear the the wind blowing in the trees. That's the sign to attack. God does not do things the same way with everyone. He split the Red Sea for some. He walked on the sea for others. He gave water out of a rock for some. He, he created wine, you know, for, for others. So just know that God deals with different people in different ways. And if you, for whatever reason, get your own personal version of put mud on your eyes and walk around, then you just do it. You just do it. So here he is stumbling around. I bet he was so glad to get to the pool of Siloam. If there's going to be a healing or I can get this stuff off my eyes. All right. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Okay. Isn't that great? He went and washed and he came home seeing. Now listen to me. One of two things will happen when you pray. You're going to get a miracle or you're going to get a life lesson. But God's going to answer that prayer one way or the other, okay? One way or the other, God's going to answer that prayer. Now, I want to say this up front because we just saw the miracle that occurred. I want to remind you in the midst of the season in which we are living now that God is still a God of miracles, okay? I want to remind you in the midst of all the adversity and sickness and disease that God is still a God of miracles. Matthew 5 says, news spread about him all over Syria. People brought to him who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, demon-possessed, seizures, paralyzed. He healed them all, okay? Now, I want to tell you something. I've been pastoring a long time, long time. I have never seen anything like the season that we are living in right now, okay? I said that this time last year, Okay, not thinking at all it could possibly be worse than last year. Okay, but we are living again in an unprecedented season. How many of you are tired of living in unprecedented seasons? (laughs) 
All right? We are living, I just want to tell you, I see more people sick right now, and they just don't have a fever. I mean, they are sick. This virus is raging all around. I mean, there are, there are people, I mean, look, you, you sneeze, you, you get a little fever. I mean, you're scared. We're all anxious, okay? Man, there's more people sick with disease in the hospital right now. This virus is raging, but it also hit at a time when people were depleted of their normal emotional reserves. They were already tired. They were already worn out. They didn't feel like they had a lot to fight with. And now we find ourselves back in this situation today. Well, I just want to remind you this morning that we as the people of God, we don't come and wave the white flag of surrender but we serve a God of miracles today and we're going to believe that God's going to give miracles. He's not through. He has not exhausted his, his, uh, the credits of His miracles. He is endless in His power. He is endless in His glory and He can give a miracle. And I just want to tell you at the end of the service, we are going to anoint people with oil and we're going to pray that God is going to give miracles here today. That is, not, that is not past, okay? That era is not past. We're going to believe online and in person today for God to bring healing and God to bring miracles, all right? I got my anointing oil all the way from the Holy Land, all right? You know what that means, don't you? That I way overpaid for this little oil. Doesn't mean a thing except the book of James says if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and God shall raise them up. And we live in a day that He's still the God of miracles. <clears throat> He's going to answer your prayer one of two ways. He's going to give you that miracle. You're going to, you're going to wash that off. Man, you're going to see. Or he's going to answer it a different way, okay? He's going to answer it a different way. He's going to grab your hand and go, you know what? We're going to walk through this together. I got you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. You're going to sense my presence like you've never sensed it before. So no, this may not be the answer that you want, but I'm telling you, we're going to get through it together, okay? You're either going to get a miracle or you're going to get a life lesson, okay? Now look, I like the miracle better. It's a lot more fun. Let me just say that. It's a lot more fun, okay? Paul faced the same thing. He said, three times I asked the Lord to remove this from me. And the Lord said no. Listen to me. Okay. So here's Paul. He's asking the Lord to remove this. And it said, I pleaded with the Lord. Pleaded with the Lord three times. So here's Paul. So is this an issue of faith? He didn't have enough faith. Is this Paul? He didn't have enough faith. Is this an issue of his prayer life? He wasn't consistent in his prayer life. 
Is this an issue of faithfulness? Maybe he wasn't really close to God, so this prayer didn't get answered because of faithfulness or prayer or faith. No. 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 The Lord said, no. I got your hand because my grace is going to be sufficient for you, okay? We're going to walk through this thing, but there's going to be a life lesson that's going to come out of this season that you will, that you will, never, that you will never forget. God's grace, released in a time of adversity, will produce an unusual ability to endure, persevere, overcome, and worship with patience and a joyful heart. Okay? He's going he's gonna to walk us. He's going to walk us through this season of affliction, this season of persecution, this season of sickness, this, this season of question when we don't know what's going on. He's grabbing our hand and he's walking us through it. And then he says, this is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, insults, hardships. Here's what he learned. Here's the life lesson that he learned through walking through this season of affliction. My grace is sufficient for you. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. Here's what I learned. For when I'm weak, in actuality, I'm strong. That his power is made perfect through my weakness. That's the life lesson that he learned. Okay? Listen. We all love miracle praise. You, you bathe in the water. You get up and you have your miracle. Okay? That, that's great. But I'm telling you, for some, he's trying to teach you a different kind of praise. And that's fiery furnace praise. That in the midst of adversity, I don't get discouraged. I don't throw up, don't throw in the towel. But I begin to magnify and I just begin to praise God. For some of you, he wants to show you a little Red Sea praise. That when your back's against the wall and you don't see an answer. And you don't know where it's coming from. Instead of anxiety and doubt. You learn to lift your hands and you begin to magnify God right where you're at. To some of you, He wants to introduce you to midnight hour praise when you're sitting in the jail, in the prison, and you got shackles all around you. And instead of defaulting to anxiety and discouragement and going, what good is this? Now in the midnight hour, we begin to throw our hands up and we begin to magnify God. And in the midst of the adversity, that's what God teaches us. So this man's healed. He's healed. All right. Everybody's happy except the Pharisees. Okay. They, they can't be happy about anything. You ever been around anybody like that? So look at verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. They summoned him for a meeting. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He says, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, 
And I watched and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, and they have two complaints about Jesus. Catch this. Some of the Pharisees said, they're responding back to the man, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Okay? <laughs> Can you believe that? I just want to say, if there's ever a good time for a miracle to happen, it's on the Sabbath, all right? But like, he's violating the Sabbath, okay? This man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others ask, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. So they turn back to the man after they've had this discussion. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that were opened, and he said, he's a prophet. Okay? Verse 24. A second time, they summoned the man. They called him back. Called him back again. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give, give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Isn't that a great logic? Isn't that a great logic? You know what? He said, I don't care about your theological discussions, you know, whether he did it on a Sunday or whether he was a sinner. He said, I don't care anything about that. He said, all I know is this morning I woke up and for the first time in my life I saw a sunrise. For the first time in my life I saw the faces of my mom and my dad. For the first time in my life I didn't have to have help to, to eat. For the first time in my life I walked down to the lake. I went fishing without help. So you can have all of your discussions. All I know is that he performed a miracle in my life. And I want to tell you, there are all kinds of criticisms about Jesus. Who he is, what he was, did he live? I'm going to tell you, people can debate that in their liberal halls of, of, of theological discussion. All I know is every time they debate that, he's still going to be saving souls. He's still going to be healing bodies. He's still going to be transforming lives. So debate all you want. He's going to be doing his thing the entire time. I love that answer. I don't know. I was blind and now I see. That's a great answer. And they responded... To this they replied, verse 34, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. That's the best thing that ever happened to him. Sometimes, sometimes, you just need to move on from those that speak spiritual death in your life. Those that always put a seed of doubt about your walk with God, those that always question you about your service to God, sometimes the best thing is just to move on. Because I'm going to tell you, every friend that you leave behind, God will replace with someone that will pray for you, that will encourage you, that will lift you up, that will boost you. So don't you cry and whine. God's got something better in store for you. They kicked him out. Get out of here. All right, But the story's not over. This is a little known part of this story. So the young man, 
He's been booted out of the presence of the Pharisees, but probably also figuratively out of the synagogue, the church, okay? And he's just sitting there, and Jesus comes back to him, okay? Now, I have a question. Why did Jesus come back to this man? Why? He's already got his miracle. He can already see. So, the work is done, right? Why would, why would Jesus come back to this man? Let's look at this interaction here. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? He has no idea. Tell me that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Why did Jesus come back? The miracle was already done, okay? But I just want to remind you, when it comes to Jesus, he does much more than just heal the body, okay? Just see, and worship team, I want you to go ahead and come. I'm going to do something different this morning, all right? He does much more than just heal the body. If all you think that God cares about is your bank account and your relationships and how you're climbing the vocational ladder, then you've missed the real reason that he comes, that he came to this earth. He came because he wanted to seek and to save those that were lost. So here's a man that's healed. He's had a life transformation, and the Lord went back to him and said, no, 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 no. There's more to this thing than just a physical healing here. I want to touch your heart. I want to change your heart. If you ever see love and compassion from Jesus, you see it. You see it in this story. Can I just tell you something today? Listen, I don't know what your, your background is. I don't know, you know, kind of, you know, your beliefs. But I want you to know something this morning, that you have a Savior that loves you. And his first concern is about your heart and your soul for eternity, okay? He cares about the other things as well, okay? your physical body, your relationships, your bank account, your children, your family, okay? But the first thing that he does is that he saved you. He died on a cross for you so that you could know him as Savior. He didn't want you going through your whole life thinking he's just the miracle worker. He's just here to get me out of jams over the course of my life. He is your Savior. He is your Lord. Why did he come back to that man? He wanted him to know, man, that there was more, there was more in this relationship than just eyesight, not just physical eyesight, but it was spiritual sight as well. And this young man who didn't know 
a lot about God. He had no idea. Remember when Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he said, who is he? Tell me who he is. I mean, he has no idea. I want to just say to those of you that go, I don't know a lot lot about the Bible. I wasn't raised in this. It doesn't matter. It's very simply a thing of faith. Just a thing of faith. Jesus said, you've now seen him. He's the one speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And let me tell you, in that moment, the miracle is completed. Okay. It would have been a great miracle and a great story, just the eyesight. Okay. But the, the total miracle ended up with the heart as well. All right. If you're here today, if you're here today, you're away from God, not sure about your walk with God, I want to tell you, I want to give you a, just a, a chance just to accept Jesus as your Savior this morning. He'll come, you know, his, this is what he said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he said all of the things he'll add to your life. He said, so make the spiritual search first. And the Lord will start to take care of the other things in your life as well. And I want to tell you, that's a great place to start, letting him work on your heart first. Okay? All right, would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Would you just do that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you're here today, messed up, made mistakes, done things wrong, all right, maybe God's just dealing with you this morning, maybe today can be your day that you know him as Savior, not just as healer, not just get me out of a jam, but today's a day that you can know him as your Savior, okay, I just want to pray over you this morning, and if you're here we're just, you know, in a quiet moment here. If you're, if you're here today, you just say, Pastor, I'm just not sure where I am with the Lord. I need to, I need to make some things right with God. Real quickly, would you just raise your hand up and down and just say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? Yeah, I see some hands out there. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Pastor, I'm not where I should be with the Lord. I don't know a lot about the Bible. That doesn't matter. They're going to put a prayer up on the screen. All right. I just want you to, everybody can just kind of look up. That prayer's up there. I'm just going to kind of read over that prayer. You know if this is you. You know if it's you. See, see, some can just read it, but others, this is going to be part of you. This is going to mean something. It's going to be different for some of you when you say this prayer. To some, it's just going to be something they've read before. But to some of you this morning, this prayer is going to be a transformational prayer because you're praying it with a little bit of faith this morning. Okay? I admit I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I accept your death as the penalty for my sin. 
I recognize your mercy and grace as a gift you offer because of your great love, not based on anything that I have done. Cleanse me, make me your child. By faith, I receive you into my heart as the Son of God, as the Savior and the Lord of my life. From now on, help me to live for you, you in control, in your name, amen. That's it. I mean, that's it. That's it. No theologians needed. Just some sincerity and some transparency in your heart that you need him as a Savior, okay? If you prayed that, if you prayed that, man, after church, I got some material to give you. I'd love to talk to you about that others on our team. Because let me just tell you, you look around this building, everybody at some point in their life prayed that prayer, walked through that door, had that just little bit of faith. So you are in, you are in good company this morning. You're in good company. Okay. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.